Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts, guys. Free land education. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate Sutton Properties, along with my co-host this morning, Teresa Martin. Good morning, Teresa. Hi, Lou. How are you today? I am well. I hope you are. Oh, yeah. We got a great guest for you today. Good. Yeah, this is exciting. An old friend from way back. Um, buying or selling homes, land, or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout. We'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street and next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website is www.allsuttonproperties, that's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N, properties, plural, dot com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. And our national site is www.rliland.com. Now, listen to me. If you're interested in buying or selling land or farms, you need to go to that website because we are the mostly highly educated land professionals in our real estate industry. There's about 1,600 of us, and the accredited land desi consultant designation I hold, there's a little over 500 of us. But don't mess up. Go to that site. Uh, we have uh, members. Uh, regular members and ALC members all over the country. So make sure you go to rliland.com. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. Buying or selling land, Landhub is the place to be. Our guest today is Norma Nesbitt. Hey, Norma. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for the last couple of years. I'm glad we were able to arrange this this morning. Where are you calling from? I am calling from St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, boy. It's my name. See? I'm a Saint, <laughs> Teresa. Did you know that? No, I did not. You didn't know there's a St. Louis? <laughs> I knew there was a St. Louis. Well, and you know I'm a Louis. So I go by Lou. I know. Yeah. So put the two together. But I've never been there. And I, we've got, I think, our convention, which we've been have to do virtually. Uh, I believe, is that going to be next, uh, next spring in, in St. Louis? Is that right? No, I believe it's in San Antonio. Oh, that's right. It was scheduled to be. Oh, boo. Well, I'm just going to have to come out and see you soon. We will have to do that. Um, we can yeah. record again from the, from here. Hey, let's do it. Teresa can come and Molly and shout it. We'll have a big time. <laughs> but anyway, just I want to introduce you. Uh, you carry some acronyms like me, Accredited Land Consultant, uh, which is uh, some realtors I mentioned, www.rliland.com. You're also a uh, CCIM designee or designa designated uh, agent. That's the commercial group of the realtors, and that's how many in the how many about forty six hundred is that right nationally something like that? Oh no, it's much larger than that. I did I leave a zero out? <laughs> I uh, I'd say it's at least ten to twenty thousand. Yeah, okay, my bad. But um, <laughs> that's our commercial brokers out there, and that, now these are the top people in our industry, guys. And then you're a member of CHIPS. What, uh, what's CHIPS? CHIPS is the CHIPS, I'm sorry. International Property Specialist. Yeah. We uh, have that designation and work internationally with buyers and sellers and, and their representatives. Now, does that, you get involved with FIATSI, the international group? I have been, yes. Mm -hmm. We had the national president on a couple of years ago, and uh, boy, what, what an organization that is. And, and, it is, uh, yes. Yeah. So... Um, uh, and that's grown over the years as the, as the world market has expanded. Now, Norma is the president and owner of Vista Properties and Investment. It's an LLC. She's also a registered representative with the Great Point Capital LLC. You are also our national president of, Na of the Realtors Land Institute, and for which I met you. Actually, I went to my first meeting in '03. But uh, uh, during your presidency, I was awarded my accredited land consultant designation, which I'm so proud of. And uh, thank you for your support and, and uh, voting me to get that because you were part of the process uh, to get that designation. So uh, thank you so much for that. Well, I appreciate that. It brings back some memories. That Orlando, was a Florida. A while ago. Yeah, and somebody stole my Jeep. 
and I'd been in a car wreck and lost my hip and <laughs> walk, wow. had to walk and I was about to die. When I got there. <laughs> but you guys are so great. I really appreciate it. I'll never forget it. But, but anyway, we want to welcome you this morning. We're going to have a great show. And actually, uh, I'm going to have you back on, Teresa and I, because you, you've got so many very important things uh, that we need to discuss and expose to our listening audience. But uh, traditionally, uh, you know, you say that we have three classes of assets, and one could be the whole stocks and bonds and cash. But today, and with the uh, with the uh, evolution of our economy, uh, it, the, the prevalence of new real estate investment, it, there's alternatives, and real estate is often considered as the fourth asset class, and that's what I headed up as our, our discussion today, real estate is the fourth asset class. And we'd love for you to explain that to our listening audience this morning. Uh, real estate may have different forms of ownership and investment and product types. So um, I'm going to turn it over to you and uh, let you tell us about the fourth asset. Well, I would be happy to. Thank you. You're welcome. And the, the fourth asset is just that. It's real estate in various forms of ownership, and it takes a different place in anyone's investment portfolio. So it's something that's a very important factor, and that is what is considered. I just want to thank everyone out there and welcome you to the show and listening to us, and hopefully you will appreciate the information that we'll be sharing, because there is a lot to learn, and there are many aspects of the transactions of maintaining your property value, maintaining that valuation, that everyone has worked hard for what they have, whether it's that piece of land, whether it's the apartment building you have and you're building up and you're saving for the future for your kids' college, whatever it may be. You're all working very hard to maintain that. And what I have done is moved into another area of real estate, the investment alternative market, where through the process of a 1031 exchange, you can exchange into Delaware Statutory Trust properties, known as DSTs. And with these, you have a partial ownership or a fractional ownership, and we'll get into that a little more yeah, please. later. But this is another way through that 1031 process, you can transition from the land that you've had to till, you've had to you know, bring in the crops and beat the storms and put up with droughts and whatever. And as I said, you've worked hard to build what you have. This is another way through tax preservation, <clears throat> excuse me, deferring the gains on the t and from the transition and sale of the property that you're able to preserve what you have built. And we turn around and then we have that investment and through the investment process into a DST, you can make that investment and the money actually work for you. You're sitting there and collecting a monthly income check. Is that a mail? Is and that what we call mailbox money? Oh, mailbox money. Yes, yes. So that's sort of an acronym that some have applied to it. But there is a lot. It, it there is a lot to absorb. There is a lot to share. So sometimes it's almost overwhelming. When I deal with clients that were sitting across the table or we're on a phone conversation, it's a lot to absorb at one time. So often it, it takes another session or two or, or taking it in increments and steps to understand the various processes. But first of all, I want to state offhand, I am a commercial real estate practitioner. I am licensed in private placement securities. <clears throat> with two series of licenses. My broker-dealer is Great Point Capital. They're a registered broker-dealer with FINRA and SIPC with their home office at 200 West Jackson in Chicago, Illinois. My company, Vista Properties and Investments, LLC, is independent of GPC, Great Point Capital. Okay. But everything that I do and work with in that securities private placement mar market is already approved by them. So anything that I offer are supplied to my clients, those that are interested and <clears throat> need the information that are looking for those kind of investments. 
you can be aware and be assured that it has been through layers of scrutiny before my broker-dealer approves it, because if they don't approve it, then I don't market it and I don't sell it. Let, let, me, the, let, me, let me interrupt you for just one second. Sure. I want the listening audience, if they're not driving, please, but to go to your website, both of them, and uh, I don't have the second one. I'll let you give that one if you would, Norma. But your website for your real estate side is Vista, V-I-S-T-A, properties, that's plural, with the word and, investments, and that's plural. So it's Vista Properties and Investments.com. And what is the uh, website for Great Point Capital? I failed to mark that down. Uh, you, let me Did see. I put you on the spot? I have <laughs> a separate website that I use. That's fine. I think it is GPC GPC1031.com. Let okay. me double check That's that. fine. Because this is important because yeah. we have a lot of listeners that uh, they'll actually go to these sites we want them to, and then they can kind of follow along, and uh, they can contact us if they have questions, and we'll pass, or go directly to you. So uh, Let me try, yeah, or let me try GPC 1031. How long have you been in business? I have been um, in business, well, let me see, since... Uh, I started the business with an LLC in 1986. Wow. That's, uh, I, uh, wow, 86. I, I got my license in 94, so. Well, you're just a newcomer. I know, and Teresa's get, starting her baby. third year. She's the baby. I'm an infant. <laughs> yes, yes, but, it, you know, this, uh, this business is you run into so many different people. You run into so many different properties and situations and working with people and, excuse me, helping them to maybe solve a problem to work out, you know, something that has been an encumbrance financially or to work out the issues that can arise with owning property, owning land, easements, etc. There's so much and so many divergent activities that are involved and so much that it, it seems like every day is a new learning experience. There is nothing that is the same, really, from day to day. Am I not correct? What was the slide they put up when you were taking your broker's portion of the North Carolina license? What was the slide say? Paraphrase it. I said land is the most complicated deal of all. But the instructor couldn't explain it, right? Because we don't. No, teach the it was just like a subtopic. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't really a topic. It was exactly. just a. But it is. Blurb. That's why we have the show. So let's get back oh. on target here. We'll get that you website know what, here. what is interesting, Lou? I hope I'm not in, uh, taking going off the track, but when you mention that, Teresa, it brings back to some of the individuals who think that the easiest thing in the world is selling a piece of land, and they just put a sign out there on, in the ground, and they say a prayer and sit back and wait. And as we know, that is not the way you sell land. Um, wouldn't encourage anyone to do that. No. Uh -uh. And if you're a property owner, that's not the agent you want, I can assure you. I don't believe so, no. <laughs> so, Lou, you had a question for me. No, I just want to get us back. I didn't interrupt you to get those websites, and when you get the other one, that's fine. But we want to, I will. Yeah, go for it. I'm sorry. Yes, I'll, I'll uh, get that with the next break. That's if, fine. If that's all right. Sure, of course. So it's your show. I have been, been involved in leasing, sales, <clears throat> 1031 exchanges, as I have mentioned, net lease properties. And, you know, we have clients that range in all various types of ownership in from corporate real estate to, you know, individual ownership of the mom and pops, et cetera. We have all of our clients and investors, you know, with their opportunities, and they can diversify their investment portfolios by offering or being involved in Securitized private placement market through the 1031 exchange process. That process itself is for deferring the state and federal tax uh, gains on your property. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're okay. Let me interrupt you here. No. Our guest sure, go our, ahead. Our guest today is Norman Nesbitt. Uh, this is Let's Talk Land. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. Are you looking to buy or sell land? Landhub.com previews thousands of properties 
nationwide. Norma, we were just getting into talking about the 1031 exchanges, and I was just, I've, I've been hearing a lot on the news about maybe it's going to be going away, and I actually spoke to someone the other day and asked her about it, and she said, oh, well, let's not go into that because I don't know the future of the 1031s. We don't know if that's going to be a thing or not. It's They're fighting it pretty hard. So I was just curious, do you know anything? What, are, what is your opinion about what the future is and, and what we can look look towards? Well, it, my opinion is we definitely need it. It, it will greatly impact the overall economy, and people do not realize this, and especially many of those that are elected officials. They aren't in our business. They don't have the the realization of the impact that that will have on the economy in general because the 1031 exchange creates new markets and new growth and new development through that process and there will be a lot that will be eliminated. So, you know, we had to fight for this four years ago. It was on the chopping block then, and we fought long, we fought hard, and we maintained that. They did make some changes to the rules then, and they eliminated some areas of particular personal items that couldn't be exchanged because at that time those were approved for 1031 exchanges. That was eliminated, but we preserved the 1031 for our real estate and most importantly for our land as well. So um, how important is it? Very. We just need to inform everyone and let them know that this is so important and impacts the economy. I've never everyone. I have never had a 1031 exchange so I'm not very familiar with them. So how how you said that it's important to the economy and can you give me an example of well, it, it will create new growth new development because you will have property that normally would not have changed hands whether it's improved or non-improved but that will change hands and again that will stimulate maybe new construction jobs and a market and then again that will be sold and and 1031 into another property by someone who could be an investor or a developer Lisa, somebody may have some apartments they've had for 20 years that's depreciated out. They're getting older. They don't want to do that. Uh, they got a low basis in it. Uh, they know when they sell it that the capital gains at the 15 20% or whatever that is at the time is going to be have to be paid. But with the 1031, and I'm just getting over you, they can go identify up to three other properties of different types. It doesn't have to be all apples or oranges or grapes as long as it is a business producing property to be a farm, okay, and reinvest that money into another one and defer those obligations until the second or third property is sold, and then they can do another 10th. This stuff's been around a long time. It has. It was approved by the IRS as Section 1031, I believe, around 1921, if I'm not mistaken. So it isn't as if someone just created this in the last few years and, you know, it's it's time to get rid of it or, or you know, it, uh, but it, it has, and it's been beneficial for those very reasons. And this is why we must maintain this. We must educate those that represent us, okay, and let them know how important this is to our industry, our business, and the overall economy in general that affects everyone. I would also, uh, Lou, may I uh, just backtrack really quick? Of course to the website for my broker-dealer, which yeah, is Yeah, we wanted that, capital. please. Yes, ma'am. So that would be www.greatpointcapital.com, and that's all one word. Okay, so noted. But with that, I'd like to get into some of the reasons for 1031 exchanges and the actual power of the exchange and maybe our discussion on that with my experience with yours will help those like Teresa and maybe many others who have heard of it but don't really understand how it works, how they can use it, or how it really is that beneficial to us. Sure, no problem. Let's go forward. Okay. And listen, just jump in any time. But commercial investment real estate transactions, you know, have been moving at a brisk pace. 
and a considerable percentage of those sales have been structured as 1031 exchanges, allowing the sellers to defer the taxes otherwise due at the end of the year. And how many people have you talked to, Lou, just as I have, when you're talking to them about selling their property? Well, I can't do that. You know, I don't know anything on this, and I'm not going to pay those taxes. That's exactly what they say, right, Lou? Had one this weekend on a $4 million property with a low basis. Well, then we need to talk to him. (laughs) Well, we will. (laughs) We need to educate him about doing a 1031 exchange and and moving into some of the alternative investment products that we'll be talking about later. But anyway, you know, this is what stimulates the economy. So depending on the circumstances and the goals, it may be a good time for people to sit back and they need to reassess and look at their portfolios, their planning, their investments that they have, and then determine if the 1031 exchange, like your guy, Lou, uh, who doesn't want to sell the uh, the land, I'm assuming it's land. It is. Because of the taxes. You know, maybe he doesn't realize that he can do a 1031 exchange which permits an investor to defer the federal and state capital gains um, well, and th- defer that. I'm sorry. No, it's yeah? okay. no, I'm just going to say that the situation in this case is they want mailbox money. It's four siblings and, of course, the mom and dad, and they're all joint ownership on a larger much parcel, and, uh, and they don't have cash. And uh, I mean, they have cash, but you know what I'm saying. And they want to get into because they're young. One just had his first baby year and a half ago. And these are very sophisticated people. But uh, they don't want to have the, they appreciate the growth of the land and the utilization for recreational. But they want to have income. So, you know, and this is part of my discussion, too, to get them into a a tick or a disc type uh, structure. And we'll definitely be referring you. And I hope uh, anyone out there listening that may have this question will get in touch with you, Norma. But that, that was well, Thank situation. you, but it sounds to me like in many cases, just as I have in members of my own family, uh, I come from a farm and a land background, you know, you end up and you, you really are asset rich, exactly. but you can be cash poor. So you don't have the liquidity or the cash flow. The only way that happens is by a sale, but they don't want to sell and don't want to pay the taxes, and I don't blame them. You know, Neither. none of us do. You work hard for that. Your blood, sweat, and tears have been worked in the, the land and those acres and tilling and plowing and and hay and everything else that you have to put up with. But um, So you don't want to give it all away to somebody else and pay it in taxes. And this is the way that you can do that and really do create some mailbox money. But, and again, it's going back and assessing and it's going back and planning because it doesn't happen quickly. You need to plan in advance how the property is titled, how you would want to exchange it. And in the case of a number of owners, you know, there may be some issues there on how it's titled or how it would be titled. So there needs to be advanced planning. And each situation is different. I can't say that one thing will work for you that won't work for the guy down the street. Everyone is different, and it takes that unique private conference and just to look at everything and see what's going to be the best situation and the best path for them to take. But it's there are no dumb questions because there are so many questions to be asked. I don't want anyone to ever feel that they can't ask a question because there is a lot to learn. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Exactly. So we want to take it a little at a time, and then it will fall into place. And I know today is probably going to be sort of like drinking through a fire hose. We I don't mean so. it to be, but we're trying to share a lot of information in a short period of time. They may want to go to the, just a website and, and uh, just type in uh, IRS uh, 1031, and there's multiple, multiple, even Wikipedia takes you back through the history of it. Um, and, um, you know, for you guys out there, uh, you know, go to that website during this discussion because, you know, we, we could do not only this one-hour show but probably two or three-hour shows. Really, I mean, I, I teach a, just a portion of it in the LAM 101 class because we introduce that to our agents. You know, it's just the basics of it, but then we have a two-day, 16-hour course, as you know, 
that is devoted strictly to the 1031, 1032, and there's some other tax codes too. 1031 is the one that we're focusing on. So definitely try to go to that, and, um, and uh, you can bone up on it. But you can always call Norma, and uh, she can help you with some of the questions you may have and hopefully help you structure one. Exactly, and you mentioned that on Wikipedia there is another website, Investopedia, Investopedia. which is excellent also. Absolutely. Thank you. It's, it's Investopedia.com, and it's a very informational. And again, FINRA also has a lot of... Yeah, FINRA's another great site. Yeah. FINRA.org yeah. is another website with a lot of information, and it even has the broker check in there where you can check on those of us that are licensed in the securities industry. Sort of like going to the RLI national website, www.rliland.com, and source one of our uh, highly educated uh, real estate experts, uh, land ladies and landmen around the country. So uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, definitely. But some other reasons for the 1031 that are so important is the appreciation. Your property has appreciated in value over the years. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to have to write that check for taxes. <laughs> there, there goes your appreciation. Exactly. You know, out the door with a stamp on it. Cash flow. Some of your properties will have cash flow and um, have excellent opportunities, but then you're involved in management. You may be tired of management, just as you're tired of taking care of the land or plowing whatever it is over the years. And you need the additional income, but at the same time, you don't want the hassle anymore. Could be apartments, the tenants, the toilets, and the trash is what you hear about apartment ownership. And having had that experience myself, I can attest to that. Not me. <laughs> it's better to not. <laughs> I'm strictly land investment. And then your depreciation, you maintain that, diversification. The 1031, again, allows you to do that, to diversify. If you want to sell out of the land and you want to move into an, apart, uh, an apartment complex or a triple net property, whatever the case might be, where you don't have the intense management, that the 1031 process offers you that diversification. And especially then that gets into the DST market that we have talked about right. as well. And yeah. another aspect is the qualified intermediary, which is very important. You want to have the right professionals that you are working with, someone who knows what they are doing, have experience, and are qualified, credentialed. I only work with qualified intermediaries. And who are they, you might want to ask. Teresa, have you heard of them? No, I was just writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Teresa. <laughs> Qualified intermediary is the one who holds the funds because when there is a 1031 exchange process and you're getting to the closing table, okay, you do not want to walk away with those funds, Teresa, when you're selling that land. The funds go directly to the qualified intermediary, and you let them handle your transaction, which then goes from a sale to a 1031 transaction. And that is put in a separate account maintained by a qualified intermediary who then handles the exchange and does the exchange for you when you invest into the new property. Okay. Can't touch it. If you touch it, that uh, disallows it. And, and then when you reinvest... Uh, that's, uh, somebody invented time years ago. I'm not real sure who it was. But the 1031 has a clock. You want to explain the clock real quick? we got about 30 seconds. 30 seconds to talk about a clock? You got it. Okay. <laughs> 30 seconds. Half a clock. When, when you are identifying a 1031, okay, you have, after you have sold your property and placed those funds, you did not take them at closing, place those funds into that 1031 qualified intermediary intermediary account. It stays in there. You have 45 days to identify your replacement properties. And they could you could go from land to a triple net lease, uh, auto zone to a Walgreens. You could go from apartments back into land. 
So anything that falls in the real estate category qualifies as like kind. You don't have to go from land to land or from apartments to apartments. As long as it is not a residence, those do not qualify. Okay, we're going to pick you have up. 45 days, and the other time to remember is you have 45 days to name the replacement properties, and you must close within 180 days after that. Our guest today is Norman Nesbitt. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Sell your land, land of your dreams. The last thing you were talking about was the like-kind investments, and you said something about personal houses do not qualify. So I've got a friend who just inherited a house. Is that a personal house? Does that qualify? How do you know when it qualifies and when it doesn't qualify? That's an excellent question and something that we all need to be aware of. So thank you for asking that. It does not qualify. It would still be a residence, even though they inherited it. Now, if they turned it into a rental property and held it for, you know, a minimum of at least maybe a year, 18 months to two years, then it would become an investment property. But I also would recommend that they talk with their CPA or their attorney and just to double check, you know, how that state would perceive it, their taxes and how, how the CPA would look at it because everyone seems to have a little different opinion about that timeline, okay? It's rather ominous. But if they turned it into an investment, rental property, then it's an investment property and it could then qualify as a 1031. But again, I would follow your CPA or your attorney's advice. I am not a CPA or an attorney. I can just give you the guidelines and suggest that you would speak to either legal counsel or your CPA. But they can't initially. She would have to wait <clears throat> and reposition. And that's where the importance of planning comes in that I talked about previously. That's where you do the planning and to make sure that you have all the bases covered. Talk to the experts whom you can find in your area. And if you can't find any locally, you know, get a hold of Lou, get a hold of myself. Uh, those of us that work in the industry will be happy to help you. Is, does that answer your question, Teresa? It, it does. So initially she pays the inheritance taxes. But she can oh. turn it into a investment property by turning it into a rental. And the timeline is key to that. The timeline is the key, yes. And again, that's where I would check in with your CPA because okay. that's who is going, would be handling your, uh, your accounting process for your taxes. Okay. All right. And here's another suggestion to everyone. If you don't have a CPA or an attorney who is conversant in this portion of the real estate industry, Listen, look for someone else, because this is what you need is someone that practices in this area. And some general practitioners, yes, they can cover this very well. There are others that uh, do not specialize in real estate. So you may want to find someone that does, and that goes for CPAs and attorneys. And also, if you're doing estate planning, the same applies there as well. So do you check with your CPA and your attorney or one or the other? Well, definitely the CPA. Okay. And it depends on what you're actually doing at the time. If you're getting into estate planning, et cetera, then I would also suggest talking to the attorney. But if you're a realtor out there, if you're a realtor out there and you don't have these contacts, you need to establish them. And a great place to start is with our guest today, Norman Nesbitt with Vista Properties and Investments. And we'll have all of our contact information. So if you're an agent, maybe a starting out agent, there's, you know, the 1.4 million of us out there. <laughs> so if you don't have these and a client brings this up, you need to be responsive and not be the expert, but you need to have the sources. We're not experts in everything, but we have a team of experts that we can refer. Norm is an excellent referral. Where do you go to to find a qualified intermediary? Where do I go? I have uh, those that are specialists in the industry. There are different companies that are out there that have those that are specialists and qualify. I work with the IPX group. 
Uh, they are out of, well, the gentleman that I have is out of the Chicago area, the Midwest, but they do have representation across the country, and because of that, I am able to work with clients from coast to coast when they want to invest into a DST property. I can work with IPX, and they all, each of them have has a legal background and are, and are licensed attorneys, so they know all of the P's and Q's and can advise the clients and the property owners on what would suit them the best. And they're familiar with all the rules and regs in each area of the country. So I, I would just say, you know, get a hold of me and I'll put you in touch. And I do that often with people. When they have particular questions, they're in certain states and they are, you know, have certain state issues that they may want to be aware of, that's what we need to do. <clears throat> Okay. So if that's helpful, in fact, yes. what I might suggest is, if you would like, I would be happy to come back and bring one of the uh, one of the guys. That would be great. That we'll I schedule that. And you could ask him more questions. Yeah, let's do that, Norma. We'll schedule that soon. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I'll Teresa, be happy to. We got to help yeah. Teresa out here, you know. I mean, poor thing. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those are excellent questions, Teresa. That's yeah. what, you know, everyone else out there is thinking the same thing. So yeah. it's. And, you know, here's something else, and I know uh, residential realtors probably experience this quite a bit. They may have clients who have vacation homes somewhere. Well, then they may not want to sell it or whatever because of the tax implications. But, and again, if this is a rental, then it's an investment property. But if they are thinking of selling, then do some advanced planning and if it hasn't been a rental, turn it into a rental for a year and a half or two years. And that could be a BROB type of situation where it's weekly weekends or short-term rentals or, uh, you know, long-term, a year uh, type uh, leases type thing. So. I believe so. But, again, I don't want to say no, I don't either. sure because, again, that's going to be up to their CPA or their exactly. tax accountant to, to yep. determine. Underscore, underscore, underscore. Okay. Exactly. So I have a client right now, and I'm getting ready to list his property. And it's his second home, and he has been using it as a, a vacation Airbnb. He, it's been, he's been renting it out, and he has been doing it for two years. So could he take this? He couldn't use that? No, no. Just remember what we just said. Go ask the right person. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, that that definitely. But I just was thinking, yeah. that's that's the type of person that I would talk to and say, look, this may be an opportunity. But that's for what you. you would say, right, Norma? So that's the way you yeah. lead into it, right? Yeah. That's exactly the way I would, Teresa. That that part that's correct. And I would I would tell them, yes, it sounds most likely like you can, but go check with the CPA, your your tax accountant, and make sure you followed all the P's and Q's, because. If you haven't, if there's some little something that he doesn't think will fly if the IRS would audit, then you have that time period, or he has a, he or she has that time period to go ahead and make that correction. Maybe they would need to, maybe they weren't rent, renting it uh, only weekends, maybe not full time. I, you know, I'm just as an example. Right. So therefore, this would give them an opportunity to fill it up with full rental. And that's probably state-sensitive, too. So, you know, each state may be a little bit different on what they... Uh, what, exactly. Uh, okay? Exactly. So it's, it's, it's multiple questions, uh, but if you get to the right source, all that's handled. Okay. Right. Well, let me throw out some other reasons for exchange here. Yeah, please. 1031 exchange. Obviously, defer the taxes. Diversify or consolidate your real estate portfolio. You may want to switch property types, like I mentioned earlier, going from land to apartments or to a triple net lease uh, retail property. You have much greater purchasing power. Of course you do. Build and preserve your wealth, and we talked about that. You've worked hard for what you have. Don't give it away in taxes. Expand into other real estate markets nationally. This is ideal, and this is where when I work with the Delaware Statutory Trust, the DST properties, you can have a fractional ownership into apartments in Florida, into triple net lease uh, retail properties from Walgreens to AutoZone to Tractor Supply, you know, in various parts of the country. And it also offers diversification. 
financial diversification in the market as well. This will improve your cash flow. You will have a greater appreciation potential on these properties. And at the same time, you're doing excellent estate planning for your heirs. Now, if I may, I'd like to just read a quick definition of the, the DSTs, or as a partial ownership structure of choice. Please. The Delaware Statutory Trust, DST, permits fractional ownership where multiple investors can share ownership in a single property or a portfolio of properties, which qualifies as replacement property as part of an investor's 1031 exchange transaction. A DST takes all decision-making out of the hands of the investors and places it into the hands of an experienced sponsor-affiliated trustee. So, again, this offers diversification. You avoid financing obstacles because, as I said, whenever I present any of these properties to you, Teresa, or you, Lou, or anyone out there listening, okay, I can't present anything that my broker-dealer group back at Great Point Capital in Chicago has not approved. And they go through all of these products and properties, go through a strenuous due diligence period. So, you know, when you got, when anyone out there, when you're buying a piece of real estate, you have, have the property under contract, okay? And you have your due diligence, your checking on property lines, your survey, the title work, any clouds on title. You're going through all of that due diligence. Well, this is what is done to all of these pro- properties that are structured and approved then as a Delaware Statutory Trust. It's first approved and goes through FINRA, and then from FINRA it goes to the broker-dealer. And again, as I said, my broker-dealer also scrutinizes it. That's another layer of due diligence and I call it certainty for the investor that it has had that additional layer yeah, good word. of due diligence to give the investor that comfort level. The DSTs can make great backup properties. We mentioned the 1031 exchange. When you are naming properties, you typically have the opportunity to name three properties in that 45-day period. Well, you may have um, a warehouse, you may have a storage facility, and then you may go to one of these DSTs and name that. Because keep in mind, they are due diligence complete. The financing is in place. Everyone has already checked the environmentals, the surveys. Everything that can be checked on these properties is checked, as well as the economic area where they are built and developed. So you're going through that process, and you may name a couple of those other properties. Use a DST as a backup, because in your due diligence, you may find out that they did not give you the correct income numbers off of that storage facility, and the income wasn't as high as you thought it was. So it's not as good an investment as you thought it was. And the clock's ticking. Yeah, and the clock's ticking, right? And the clock is ticking. And at the same time, over on the warehouse property you have, they may find that, oh, part of that land that it's sitting on is in floodplain. Oh, guess what? We've got cross-easement problems. The access isn't what we thought it was. So during your due diligence process with regular, I call it regular straight real estate as opposed to when I'm talking about DSTs, You're going through that process, and you're finding these issues, and you're not so sure about either of these. But keep in mind, you've got the DST as the fallback. So therefore, if the other two don't work, you've got yourself covered, and you will not have to pay the tax. You will be able to defer the tax by exchanging into the DST. Am I making sense to you guys? Teresa's got a bunch of question marks on top of her head. (laughs) <laughs> oh, just a bunch. <laughs> More than one. Well, I have to say, it's a huge market that's out there. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> just to reinforce what you're telling us, uh, Norma, uh, you can buy one or up to three, and then there's, <clears throat> let's say, your um, your net income 
on your on your liquidated property is two million, uh, you can identify more than two million. You don't have to buy two million. If you're short of that exchange number, you know you may be subject to some gains on the remainder cash. Uh, but um, so are you? Well, could, you could also put that cash into a DST. Exactly. That's my point. Uh, I think the DST is the most secure way of doing it. Uh, if you're looking for that, to, I mean, if you want to have hands on, uh, you may want to do the traditional real estate. But if you don't, if you want to have the investment, and my understanding, help me out on this, is uh, uh, those DSTs have a pretty high return. Uh, can you go into that at all, or is that taboo? I can say on an average that the products that we have, um, we don't talk about it specifically, but there's usually a range of, <clears throat> from, you know, you're maybe around 4% to 65 Right. But then and you it get... It varies, and, yeah. uh, and those are, um, again, it varies by property, by product, sure. by the, uh, the particular development. More in the savings account. But number two is uh, it also has a kickout. So if the property is liquidated, uh, then there's some appreciation potential, and that uh, profit is also shared with the um, stakeholders, right? Exactly. You know, in this situation, you are part of appreciation. You have depreciation. You receive your investment information for tax purposes each year. It's not a K-1, but it's similar to a K-1. Okay. And you get monthly income checks and whatever the return is. So you, and at the time of disposition, when it is sold, you share in the profit. What's wrong with this picture, oh. Teresa? And then you can exchange into another 1030 or another DST product if you would like. So I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I really am confused right now. I'm confused. <laughs> the DST portfolio, is that shared? Is that like... Like it says here that... Yes, it may have numerous investors. Okay, that's... Depending that's on how large it, it is. Now, I was trying Each to... Each of you will have your proportionate share based on ah. the amount that you would invest. I put a million in, you put five million in, you're going to have more share ownership than I will. It's proportionate to your investment. So I want to also clarify, is this an alternative to a that 1031? Is, that is no. known as an alternative investment, and okay. it is in that section of the market yes she, she's trying to put it to the 1031 you don't have to do a 1031 to buy into a dst okay okay, okay. that helps yeah but for those that are wanting to liquidate their property and to push forward that tax obligation this is one of the products gotcha. dst is delaware statutory state what okay. is the first word in that delaware mm -hmm. They set up many, many years ago, and you can go back into that, they set up a organization, structured organization, that the United States has now allowed them to do business, just like a lot of people will set up their corporation in a Delaware corporation because right. it's their taxes and so on, okay? Right. This is part of that Delaware statutory trust. It's one of the arms of that old law, right? Uh, Norma, am I talking about that correctly? Yes, sir. You did pretty good. Wow, how did I know this stuff? <laughs> I'm just an old landlord. I was going to say, because <laughs> you're old as dirt. <laughs> right, be quiet. I'll be 72 in July. Leave me alone. <laughs> Not as old as BK has. <laughs> BK knows a lot of stuff, though. He sure does. Okay, well, I'm starting to understand this now. Well, I was are, getting a little bit. I was too. getting a little lost, and I thought, okay, now where did this come from? Now I understand. I hope it's been educational for you. It has. Oh, it yeah, has. Totally. And for now let well. me just throw this out. Do I have a minute or two left? Uh, you got about uh, twelve minutes. No, oh, twelve. No, 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 hey. no, no, no. Wrong. You got about uh, eight minutes. Okay. Well, anyway, this is it is a large market. And there are various asset types that are in this D D DST or alternative investment market. And I'm looking at an industry study here really quick. Don't want to put you to sleep with numbers, but and this is sales by asset type, and it was done by Mountain Dell Consulting as of July of 2020. And the different asset types that are 
invested into these type of DSTs range from multifamily, student housing, retail, self-storage, which has really become strong. Always been hot. And desirable. Senior housing, office, office medical. In fact, what we see are a lot of triple net, <clears throat> excuse me, long-term leases in the Fresenius and the DeVita Dialysis Centers and other health care type urgent care centers. Hospitality, industrial, energy, oil and gas, and there are very few, but there are one or two companies with funds out there that do have oil and gas energy programs that are accepted and approved for 1031 exchanges. That's just giving you a sample, and we have 35 different sponsors who have raised equity during the last year <clears throat> that are in the marketplace. But if you want to know how much traded, and this was, as I said, last July of 2020, in the 1031 market, into DSTs, this isn't the 1031 market that takes in everything that's out there that is land or, or the regular real estate exchange. This is just in this equity market. You take 1,644.47 and you times that by million, and that's the n amount of equity that was invested into the DST market in the last year. Wow. Can so, you give me that number? Because I'd like to deposit it. I love <laughs> numbers, so especially ones this, I deposit. This was... Um, yeah, as of 2020, last year in July. Wow, huge number. Huge okay, number. I have one more so question. It's you just that, and this mar is a market that is basically the far accredited investors into the alternative market. And accredited meaning that you must meet those particular uh, standards. Okay. Net worth. Okay. It's not for the average, average person. Right, right. Well, right. Uh, but is keep in mind, many people, as we discussed previously, are asset rich and cash poor. So if you have a verification of the value of maybe the land, and if it's under contract, then you could substantiate the value of the contract and what is in escrow at that point. So then that would be proof of net worth. So, like the property Lou was talking about earlier, the $4 million property that the family owns that they don't want to mm -hmm. sell because of the taxes, would the DST be good for that? Absolutely. It'd be the ideal, okay. yes. Because okay. they don't want to okay. put it into another right. another piece of real estate. They don't want to. Yeah. They want mailbox. I gotcha. Right, exactly. But let me read this. Right. An accredited investor in the context of a natural person earns, <clears throat> must have an earned income that exceeds 200000 as a single person, or 300 together as, with, as a spouse, married, in each of the prior two years, and must reasonably expect that that salary will remain the same. Or if you have a net worth of over a million, either alone or together with your spouse, and that does not include your primary residence. So if you had a million and you had a residence that's worth 200,000, then you would not qualify. You got the difference? Say that one because more time. Because you would only Say have that. 800 in net worth. Okay, okay, gotcha. So that's something to keep in mind. But again, as I said, you have to look at the asset net value. You look at the whole picture. And it may not all be in that bank account or in, or in some uh, investment account with a so that's where your CPA can also help you understand where. Don't get involved with your clients. Many, many individuals or, or families out there, they are asset rich but cash poor. Okay. So it's the asset that would make the difference there. Okay. And the proof of asset. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Just heard about a couple minutes, then we'll let you close out. Uh, what what well, else do you want to say? In a couple minutes, I just want to say briefly. Thank you, first of all, oh, Sue and Teresa, for inviting me and having me here. I appreciate it very much. Most welcome, Most guest. importantly, it's not all about us. It's about preserving that 1031. And we all have to work hard together to um, make sure that we 
to maintain that we keep the 1031 in force for those of us that are in real estate and land. Contact your Congress members, your Senate members, uh, send them a letter, however you communicate. Uh, there are sites out there that are uh, in the real estate industry, have the RPAC site, uh, and, uh, you know, they send out, and you can, if you agree with it, you can click one button, and it will send to all of your representatives in your district a letter from you, uh, which uh, we would like filling up the mailboxes. Uh, that will be great. This going. And if I may again, I want to say thank you to all of you and Rodney, who's back there with you as well. And uh, again, my company is Vista Properties and Investments, LLC. I am um, with the broker-dealer out of Chicago, Great Point Capital. They are a member of FINRA and SIPC. Their home office is at 200 West Jackson Street, 1000, and Chicago, Illinois. My company, Vista Properties and Investments, LLC, is independent of GPC. And with that, I thank you. Well, you got to put your disclaimer in there because uh, we need to cover this on this particular subject, please. Okay, yes. Um, the securities are offered through Great Point Capital, LLC, a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA SIPC. Their home office is at 200 West Jackson Street, uh, Suite 1000, Chicago, Illinois, 60606. Wow, 60606. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Vista Properties and Investments, LLC, is independent of GPC, LLC. And, I'm, and I am a member of FINRA and SIPC. One last oh, question no. for you. The Great Point Capital website Sorry. is, again, www.greatpointcapital.com. My website is www.vistapropertiesandinvestments.com. Dot com, and my email is norma.nisbet at att.net. I am going through the process of adding some additional uh, tabs and information to my website, so if you ever have any problems or if anyone does, don't hesitate to email. Check in often. Check in often. Yes. You've been a great Thank guest you. today. Stay with what us. What else can I do for you? Uh, just stay on the line. Uh, we want to close you out, but I want to thank you um, after the show. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we'd appreciate all of them. All questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. That'll be on our master website, letstalkland.net, uh, the contact information. All of our shows are downloaded after the show this morning on our master website, www.letstalkland.net. It's .net. Also, you'll find us on Spotify and Podbeam, so you can listen to us anytime. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot mylandpro at gmail.com. And my email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My cell number is 336-669-1405. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. Are you looking to buy or sell land? Landhub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide, and we appreciate their sponsorship. So check them out as well. Rodney, how they get in touch with us here at the station? Well, Lou, they can go to our website, go to WKTE1090.com, and also download the Simple Radio app and listen to our music in the world. What? Yes. I thought it was the universe. Well, the universe, too. There. Yeah. Same. Well, I mean, we're going to Mars. I hope oh, you yeah. up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we should be. So it's simple, right? Yes, yeah, simple. Very simple. All you do is go to the Simple Radio app and type in WKTE. Boom, it pops right up. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And put it in as your favorites. Yeah. So um, um, we, um, Teresa, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got to play some happy music here. She needs some real yeah. loud, loud happy music. <laughs> Beach music and oldies with several years of nice awards. Yeah, five years in a row, six years now for yeah. uh, the uh, being the number one beach and oldies radio station on the East Coast. So it doesn't go to St. Louis. But it does if you do the simple radio app. Yes, it does. Okay, see. I got you. And Teresa and I have a contest we're running right now. We have this beautiful wave logo. If you'll go to WKTE website, you'll see that beautiful wave logo. Mm -hmm. And since we only play happy music, and everybody definitely needs to be happy. That's right. Right? You like being happy, Teresa? 
I do. Well, then we've got a contest that we want you to re-illustrate that WAVE logo using that logo and make it happy, however you want to do that. You need to get your, uh, uh, your illustration in to us by the June 30th, and we will be giving a $500 cash award uh, to the uh, logo that's selected. How about that? Sounds great. I was going to show you the logo that uh, somebody came up with there. Oh, we already got, got yeah, we several, got one. huh? If I can find it, but I can't find well, it. Well, we're going to run out of time. Yeah, we'll run out of time. Maybe next week. That's a good thing. We'll keep them in suspense. Oh. And you got a nice award, too, huh? Yes, uh, Reader's Choice Award for Announcer of the Year. Wow, I wonder why. There it is. Oh, my gosh. Hey, that may be the winner right there. Yeah. Huh? Oh, wow, that does look good. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you next week.